Welcome to Hindsight, Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Ria Maeve, your host, and this is the podcast where guests take a moment to stop, reflect, and turn hindsight into foresight. My guests will take a look back at both their personal and professional journeys. What do they wish they knew then that they know now when they started out? I'm very pleased to to welcome Esme Gomer onto the podcast today. Esme has worked in the fitness and well-being industry for the past 14 years, focusing particularly on training people from a mindset point of view, delving into mental health and well-being. She's worked at leading fitness institutions such as Gymbox and taught the first ever class at One Rebel. She's also worked with individuals who wanted to open their studios worldwide, having open studios as far as Vegas. She's hosted panels as a motivational speaker, having done TED Talks on the inner child, as well as partaking in extreme challenges like climbing Kilimanjaro, running over 200 kilometres in the Jordan Desert and partaking in Channel 4's SAS, Who Dares Wins. And if this wasn't enough, she's also the founder of the Say Yes Club, which is a 5k every Tuesday evening that meets under the tree in London Fields which encourages some form of movement, be that to run, walk or jog, with the mantra, say yes to movement because one day you're going to have to say no, which is a fabulous reason why our paths crossed. Welcome Esme to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So, um, how are you doing? I'm how, doing good. How are things? Do you know what? You know when you were sitting there like reeling off all of that? Mm. Like I feel like we've like, been conditioned in life to have to sit there and be like really like oh tee and like blush mm. and I was like no I'm going to sit with my head up high shoulders back and say yes that's me yeah absolutely, absolutely. I was loving it slash like blushing but loving it <laughs> <laughs> great um so take me back to, to to young as me you grew up in in Essex I think and we're one of four siblings what what was life like growing up as a G in Essex yeah so it was, it's strange actually like if people know me they probably think you know I'm really confident mm. and like out mm. there and you know whatever those words mean but growing up I was actually really shy like mm. I was like a real shy little kid um to the point where like I'd actually be scared to go to a family party like I remember if we were going to a party I'd be like I don't want to go in I remember mm. feeling sick at the thought wow. of like being in front of people um but yeah was quite a quiet kept to myself independent kid Really enjoyed like sport and dancing. Um, dancing was like my jam. I did mm. Irish dancing. <laughs> like so did I actually. Oh yeah, Irish dancing, of course yeah. you did. <laughs> Used to wear the wig and all. <laughs> but yeah, so um, love dancing, love movement, love sport. Like all, yeah, I suppose I like kind of um, was myself through movement. Like I definitely, um, you know, sh- show. I don't know. Sh- sh- is it showed? Showed up. Mm-hmm. Showed up in movement more than just being a little kid I was um yeah I was really dependent on movement and dance and um how did you find the academic side of school I was intelligent gal mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. I, I was that really annoying kid that like didn't really need to do anything and was intelligent and my sister used to find me really annoying like mm-hmm. She was the one who was really good in school and revised and worked hard and got good grades. And I was the one that like picked up stuff really easily, didn't revise and got good grades. So yeah, I um I liked school. I liked learning. Um, I enjoyed it. I probably 
because of that, like kind of took it for granted that I didn't really have to, you know, really, 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 really think and work hard. And that probably bit me in the ass a few times. Um, you know, I was the last minute person the day before, like a test or whatever, who was mm. like revising till like midnight and then um, would, would get up and go and do it and make myself feel unwell. And we had three three siblings, um, two sisters and, and a brother. Were, yeah. were, you, were you close to your family? Yeah, extremely close. Um, we've got Kyle, my next sister, Kira, and me are like, extremely close in age um there's 16 months between me and my sister and then I've got my younger sister who's seven years younger um so us three kind of grew up together my brother's got special needs so he was almost like the baby brother like the older brother but the baby brother so Kira and I like really looked out for him and like spent a lot of time with him although they did used to gang up on me and bully me because I was like the youngest of the three and one of the first things that I think of when I think of you is is helping people do you think in in early childhood you said you know your brother had special needs did you spend a lot of time helping him and, and supporting him yeah yeah for sure I think like when I look back to when I was younger like you've got to think this was like 35 years ago that he had special needs and it wasn't really like a known thing like mm. now it's great mm. like there's so much support out there now mm. and it's brilliant and it's getting there but you know my brother went through a really tough time um he he was bullied like we were bullied for like mm. you know our brother having special needs um he needed a lot of help. There was a lot of things that I didn't understand. There was a lot of things my mum and dad didn't understand. Mm, so like, like just things like um, the way he would act, I wouldn't understand why. Mm. So if he was having tantrums as like an older child, you mm. know, um, or he'd like get really angry and not be able to express it. So he would do it through like, you know, grabbing our arms or like pushing us and being quite mm. aggressive. And, you know, we would, um, you know, fight back in a way and like hate him for it and yeah. things like that. And, you know, I do look back and I wish that there'd have been a bit more guidance. And it's not even something that I blame my parents for because I think my mum and dad were like 21, 22. Mm. When I look back, I'm like, wow, like your first child and they had special needs and you didn't have support and you didn't know yeah. how to do it. Um, but the best part about it is how I am with everyone in the world now. I'm yeah. so open-minded. I'm so, um, I think twice. If, you know, I see someone um, in public acting a little bit different to what we expect mm. or uh, speaking in a certain way, I think twice. Yeah. I think, well, hang on, there could be something there. There might be a reason behind that. I'm very grateful for Kyle for that reason because I do believe that we all are on a completely different level of, like, intelligence around, you know, people um, who might appear slightly different and I couldn't be more grateful because I'm so compassionate mm. and just well educated in that I know how to make people feel good and fit in in all ways so yeah um supporting him was probably one of the best gifts I ever got given in our family yeah that's lovely so all in a pretty positive experience um growing up and as a child and as you said you had a pretty clear path that you wanted to to follow to to be a dancer um but when you were 18 years old there was a, a big kind of turning point and pivotal point in, in in your life you went in for a routine operation to get a hernia removed and as you were coming around you seized um for for eight hours which caused memory loss and ultimately you were paralyzed from from the waist down as I mentioned you had plans at the time to go to dance college in in a matter of months and you know you were told by the by the doctors the devastating news that you know you were never going to walk again talk us through that time yeah it was it was a real real turning point in many ways um one of the biggest ones um that I always remember is how quickly I grew up in that moment mm. from being you know I'd, I was 17 
um, turned 18 by a month and then this happened. So, you know, I was still a kid and I am, um, I haven't necessarily had a very, um, you know, privileged life. Everything that I've kind of got or my family have got, we've really worked for, we've, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've, my family have had to work, you know, my yeah. mum had to work, my dad had to work to be able to feed us and, you know, try and do some nice things here and there, but had to grow up massively and look after myself, um, to get through it. Um, but also had to face, um, you know, grief of something that I really did believe was my future. Mm. That bit was really hard, grieving mm. this almost vision and idea of what your future self was going to be doing. Sure. And, you know, I'm sure during that time there must have been some pretty dark moments. I mean, what did you turn to or who did you turn to to kind of draw strength through that time? You know, are you spiritual or religious at all? Or, you know, where did your strength um, come from? Honestly, it I turned to me, mm-hmm. but not knowingly I didn't do it because I knew how to do that I didn't turn to me because I was like you know like with how you say like religion or Mm. you know what what people believe in they they've been like conditioned or no to turn to that um I wouldn't necessarily say I was spiritual but I was without realizing if that makes sense it was always in there I just didn't know I remember laying in the hospital bed visiting hours as end had ended I got a horrible overwhelming like sense of anxiety go through my body a sick feeling of anxiety the kind of feeling that you get when you feel like you're homesick as a kid you know that Mm. feeling where like you might be at a friend's house and in the middle of the night you want to go home and you feel sick it was like that and I remember thinking in that moment I can't get up and I can't shake it off and that's what I've learned to do all my life is use movement as a way of shaking off feelings and you know and I can't do that and I can't call my mum or my dad and I can press the buzzer for the nurse to come mm. and just make something up. Yeah. Oh, I need this. I need yeah. that. Just it's not the commun- same as your mum, though, is yeah. it? You know. And I think even pressing it so that they come over. Hey, are you okay? And just make something up. Yeah. yeah like, um, can I have this or can you do that? Or mm. I think like I need my pillow moved because I just wanted that feeling to shake off. And it was that moment where I was like, realized at such a young age that, wow, I've spent my whole life finding a way out of feelings which is is it's basically distraction you know like you wake up in the middle of the night when you're a kid and you have a bad nightmare so you go down to your mum and dad mm. or um you know you get up and shake something off when you've got a horrible feeling or you distract yourself and now we pick up our phones and whatever it may be when you're paralyzed and you can't move and there's nowhere to go and there's no one around you that you really you know want to turn to like strangers that are dressed in nurses outfits yeah. and doctors I suddenly was like, hang on a minute, it's me. It, that's the moment I realised, I said, like, the the only person that can help you right now is yourself. And it was a groundbreaking feeling to have. When I look back now, I was 18 years mm. old. I was a mm. baby. Mm. But that that's quite a remarkable, you know, thing to think at 18. Like, where do you think that inner strength came from? I think we've all got it. Okay. I think we've all got it. It's just when you unlock it. Yeah. I think we all able to unlock it if we're willing to Mm. and the only way you can unlock that is to be in what is considered to you the depths of hell like the worst thing you could possibly imagine and I got put in that because I got paralyzed and life put me in that situation Mm. however had I not got put in that either something else would have happened maybe later in life Mm. that would have put me in the depths to unlock it or 
what I've realised now is we all have the opportunity to put ourselves in the depths of it. Yeah, yeah. And get out of it. So so talk us through that, though, you know, from the day one waking up and finding out you're paralysed. Like how did, you know, what did the road to recovery actually look like in practice for you? So when I like first came around from it all, um, where I'd like lost like short term memory and mm my speech was kind of gone mm. like the first few days are just I can't really remember mm. anything and like I suppose what the good thing about that was if I'd have just woke up and everything was there it would have been a shock moment you know like kind of when you watch the yeah. movies I think this is how people imagine yeah. it like I imagined this would happen you wake up and you're like what happened where mm. am I and like there wasn't that panic for me mm. which was nice in a way it felt like waking up from a bad dream for about a week very gradually every day my memory was coming back my this and it was becoming my normal so I didn't have the shock factor and how long did it take you to to learn to walk again so I spent three weeks just learning how to like get up on parallel bars and trying to put one foot in front of the other and it's crazy you hear the word three weeks and you think oh that's all right but minute after minute of mm. trying to move wiggle your toes lift your feet it felt like forever I suppose and then I left the hospital I had a wheelchair um mm -hmm. and I just I actually did my rehabilitation through dancing through mm -hmm. baby's ballet mm -hmm. I went back to baby's ballet did you yeah with three-year-olds wow. <laughs> yeah and I guess 18 as well it's a pretty pivotal time in our lives you mm. know um you know what what was the kind of perception support interaction with with peers like at, at that time it's crazy because I was 18 and all I thought in that moment, mm -hmm. no one's going to fancy me. Isn't that mad? That's what you think about what when you're you 18, yeah, of course. I was like, oh my God, no one's going to fancy me. Like, yeah. this is so unattractive. This is yeah. so embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I can't, you know, I wet myself. I, mm. I couldn't clean myself. I couldn't mm. do anything. I was getting changed. I, it was so, you know, the nurses, the student nurses were like 19 years old. I had people nearly my age, like, you know, sorting me out. Yeah. Helping me go to the bathroom is in, in a, in a tray or whatever, you know, and, that was the, I remember the first thing feeling unattractive. No one's going to fancy me. I'm never going to have a boyfriend or, you know, I'm not, I'm not cool because I can't walk, you know, and that's hilarious. I know it's crazy. Um, I remember there was a time where my friends came to visit me. I'd gone home for the weekend. They'd let me go home and be at home for the weekend and go back into hospital. And my friends came to visit. And I remember one friend in particular who I'm not in contact with anymore. Mm. We just drifted apart. It's funny what scars you, right? Yeah. And I remember sure. they came round to see me and there was three of them and they were going out that night clubbing. Yeah. And she, she this girl in particular, thought it would be a really good idea to sit and make their plans for the evening just in front of me while I lay paralysed on the sofa. And they're all sitting, go, okay, right, what was yours? We'll go to Tesco, pick up drink, mm. go get ready, you come back to mine. And they're all mm. da, da 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 and I'm sitting there and I remember feeling, oh, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. I remember just thinking, how are you doing this? Mm. And then, you know, it just went over their head and they're all blah, 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 blah. All right, see you later, bye, and left. Yeah. And I think that was one of the worst moments of my life. Yeah. Like, it, it was the that I couldn't explain how sad I felt in that Super moment. Super isolating as well, right? It was the, it re that, I remember that moment so well because that moment spun me into like depression. Mm. And I had depression when I came out of hospital and I went into depression then. I remember thinking, I never want to let anyone 
feel how they've just made me feel. It's funny that you say that now, though, because one of the things I think about you, you know, you're always so inclusive and we'll come on to it in a minute. Um, you know, how, how we met um, in the Say Yes Club on a Tuesday where we go for a run. And I remember the other week someone you came and you were like, you did speak to them, didn't you? You did speak to them. You did speak to them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Don't worry, you know. <laughs> oh, and we never had a count. Yeah, you're like, you have made them feel inclusive. What's yeah. their name? Yeah, yeah. Tell me everything. Someone did speak to them. Did, they, did someone speak to them? Did someone I'm speak like, to them? I'm too busy. You yeah. better have done it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I did. I did. All good. All good. All good. <laughs> Um, okay, um, you know, incredibly inspirational, um, you know, that, that, that whole period. I guess the one other thing I want to ask before we move on, you know, I think it's remarkable, you know, you finding the inner strength and, and, and being able to overcome that. Do you ever find later in life, you know, with friends or peers or family members who maybe don't have that ability to look within themselves or maybe they've asked for your advice on something and you've given it to them and they haven't taken it and it's gone in one ear, mm. out the other? Do you find that frustrating? Did you find that like, you know? I think when I, when I first went through this experience and mm. came out the other side of it, I turned really, really hard yeah, and ice cold mm. and I had no tolerance. Mm. And some people get stuck like that. Yeah, Some people go through trauma or through grief or through something really bad. And they stay cold forever. It's a really interesting point. And I thought I wanted to stay cold forever. Yeah. I liked it. I liked being hard and cold and nothing could hurt me and nothing could make me cry. And someone's like broke a finger and I'm like, get over it. Right. But were you thinking, well, I've gone through yeah. walking again after para like being yeah. paralysed, you know. Exactly. And I was like, well, I was paralysed, had to learn to walk again and you've broke your finger, get over it. Yeah. Now, however, that's the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. That's the worst place you can stay mm -hmm. in because I am so grateful now that, I have flipped, I mean, massively, and I couldn't be more compassionate. And why do you think that is? Because I thought my gift was resilience, mm -hmm. but my gift was compassion. And I think we... I love that. We, we, we encourage people and we teach people to be resilient. Be resilient, be resilient, get your head down, grit, go through it, push through, push. Actually, like... The best thing I ever did was realise a few years after this, I'm talking, you know, very few years after that experience. No, 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 your gift is that you can be compassionate and someone mm. could break an ale and you could go, are you OK? Mm. I understand mm. that for you, that is your worst thing in your world right now. Mm. It's all relative, right? And it's relative. Mm. And when I give people around me advice that aren't taking it, mm. I'm so... I'm so soft with them now mm -hmm. because all I want them to do is just keep getting it wrong and getting it wrong and getting it wrong until they have that moment. Mm -hmm. Because I've been in situations before where people have looked in, friends, family, and said, shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't be around that person, they're mm -hmm. not right for you, that job's not this, you know, mm -hmm. get out of it, you're better than that. And it don't matter how many times someone tells you, you have to feel it yourself. Mm -hmm. For these people that I try and give advice to, I don't want to tell them what to do. I want to give them the space to get it wrong and I'll just be there and wait and be supportive until they understand what they want to do. And then that's when they're most open to receiving advice. Mm -hmm. Your your positivity never fails to uh, astound me in in a great way. Is there any you know? Is there ever any days and you just think, do you know what? I cannot be bothered. Oh yeah, yeah. Most yeah. days, most days. You never let on. Oh, mate. No, it, do you know what? It's the difference between it's. I'm not. People go, oh, you're very positive, or mm. you know how you say, or people say, oh, you've got loads of energy or enthusiasm, and it's like, yeah. no, 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 I've got a toolkit. 
I have yeah. this. I feel the same as every other person out there every single day. I, I sometimes can't be bothered. I'm hungover. I'm tired. I, you know, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to socialize. I've got a toolkit. But isn't it a bit more honest in a way sometimes if you're being genuine and saying, Do you know what, actually, you know, showing up, if you don't, you know, showing up saying, I actually don't feel that positive today. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about the first person you need to tell is you. Mm. Don't ever let somebody else be the first person that asks you in the morning or afternoon, wherever it is, how are you today? Mm. You best have asked yourself first because how are you meant to answer? So you have that honesty in relationship with yourself, but I guess showing up for other people, would you also be open with the other people and saying, do you know what, I'm not really in the mood yeah. for this day? Yeah, okay, and I think fine. I've got good at that now. I think I've mm. got good at going, right, I've got the tools to help me get to either being able if I've got if I've got the tools in there to be able to go no 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 we've got this let's turn up let's show up yeah. I've got your back use this tool that tool that you've learned yeah or the tools to be able to have open conversations mm. with people and tell the truth how are you meant to be honest and how are you meant to to approach that situation the first person I ask how the first person who asks me how I am is me every morning how are you today is I'm not all right if I'm honest sure I feel rubbish I'm not motivated I actually feel a bit insecure got a bit of anxiety the thought of actually being around people is making me feel this all right no worries Ez. yeah let's get our talk out what can I do to help you how can I support you today could you this could you maybe cancel that could you maybe put me in this environment could you this could we maybe have a shower and like do our hair and put on some clothes yeah. to make you just feel a bit up for it So the next thing I wanted to touch upon was the Say Yes Club, which is how we actually met, um, as we said, under the tree on in London Fields. Um, so I'll let you explain in your own words exactly what it is. Um, but I guess what I'm really interested in, in knowing here is what gave you the confidence to, to set it up? And, you know, were you worried on that first Tuesday under the tree in London Fields that no one was going to turn up? <laughs> Mate, like, worry is not even the right word. I mean, it was crazy because I knew I wanted to do it mm. for so long. Yeah. And I knew it was meant to happen and I knew it was destined to happen and I was meant to do it. Yeah. I knew it. So what is the Say Yes Club for people that Say don't know? Say Yes Club is, after I got paralysed, I made a promise to myself when I was moving again that... I will keep saying yes to movement mm -hmm. until the day I have to say no again. And again is the key word. And it's inevitable for me and for anyone listening to this and for you, we are all going to have to say no one day. It mm -hmm. could be tomorrow in a week, month, 10 years, whatever. I wanted to share that message. So throughout my fitness career and over the past few years, it's been helping people say yes to things, either getting into movement mm -hmm. and, you know, just exercise or saying yes to things that they never thought they could do and then doing them and feeling like a legend. And I love that feeling. That's all I want people to feel. Mm. I want people to do things and go, I didn't think I could do that. And yeah. then they do it. It's the best feeling. I think it's so humble of you as well. I mean, you're smashing out ultramarathons and someone that's like hobbling around a 5K and you're like, yes, you've got this. You're doing great. It's like, mm, you just did an ultramarathon, but you know, but thanks for the support. <laughs> Again, it's all relative. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The yeah. And I think one thing that I want everyone in the world to feel is the feeling of crying with happiness mm. for themselves. 
So you can come on a Tuesday and walk, run or jog, right? Yep. So you come on a Tuesday. It's a community of movement. You walk it, you jog it, you run it. So there's an answer for everybody. And even if you can't walk it, you cycle it. If you can't cycle it, if you're in a wheelchair, you wheel it. Like we will find Mm -hmm. a yes for everybody. And that's the whole point of it. And this wasn't the kind of first time that you'd done a run club, I guess. I'm interested to know what gave you the confidence to set this up and, you know, previous experiences. Yeah, I just, like I said earlier, I knew I wanted to do it and I knew it was going to happen. Um, I probably had imposter syndrome. Mm. I did the whole, no one's going to turn mm. up. What if no one likes it? I did the whole, oh, people will turn up and then like they'll dwindle out and then like six weeks time, there'll be no one there. And what's the point? And you know, that kind of yeah. self-talk that you do because you're just already future sad that it's not going to work. So you're like, mm. what's the point anyway? Um, so I would just remember I'd, I'd been working in a, um, on a business with um, my old business partner mm-hmm. And that had come to an end and I was quite sad at how that had ended and I had to grieve that kind of Mm -hmm. ending. Um, The business that we've been in together, I was grieving that. I allowed myself the space to do that. I nearly went into panic mode when that ended and Mm. went quick, quick, quick. Like I've got to do this and do that and do that in a week. And I was like, nope, take the time feel every inch of it. I'm going to go and stand under the tree in London Fields. I'm going to make a pin drop on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. So if you see the pin drop, it mm-hmm. says the Say Yes Club pin drop. And I'm going to stand there and I'm just going to put it out. And I was so scared, honestly, so petrified when I put that Instagram post out on my stories because mm-hmm. you feel vulnerable. Yeah, of course. You feel course. so silly. Like people are going to be looking going, oh God, she's doing a yeah. community run club for free on a Tuesday. Like you have all these things going through your head. And I put it out. I remember someone messaged me and said, hey, I'm really anxious about coming. And I remember writing back to her. I need to find that message because I don't even know who it was now. And I remember writing back to her saying, yeah, so do I. I'm anxious. You're anxious about try coming, try right? how anxious I am. I'm and five I'm anxious, times more anxious. Yeah, yeah. So it's catch yeah. 22. So yeah. please come. You might be the only person. Yeah. Um, and then I just remember standing there and all these people turning up and you turning yeah, up. Yeah, I did. I came on my own. You know, I came on my own. Um, and it was you know it's one of the one of the best things I've done this year. You know, I've met a great bunch of friends and you know similar interests and it's it's great. And also people always walk by saying, "Hey, what's this? Can I join? What's this? Yeah. You know?" And you're like, "Yes, yeah, it's a run club. Want to come now?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, no!" But next yeah. week, next week, yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great. So I'm interested in, you know, you've achieved all these things, you've worked with all these brands, you've set up, you know, um, the Say Yes Club. Who inspires you in fitness? Now I'm who I am now. And when I'm asked like, who inspires you? Mm. Actually, my community members inspire me. And I think it's so strange because they probably don't know it. Like they probably think, that I think they're coming to me to be inspired by me and I'm almost on the pedestal. And I feel inspired by the community members that come, by the people that have never exercised and they turn up, by you coming on your own. Like to me, that's inspiring. I'm like, yeah, I'm standing here and I know how to run and I know how to, and I I feel comfortable Mm. in my fitness gear and my trainers. But yeah, you turning up on your own Mm. in an uncomfortable environment, that's inspiring. One of the biggest gifts I think, you know, that, that, that you have, and I don't think many people have this, is the, you know, and I made a joke about it earlier, but the ability to encourage people, um, you know, you do do ultra marathons, you have, you know, taken on all these big fitness challenges, but, you know, run clubs can be quite an intimidating mm. um, place to be with you as well. You have that, that ability to help 
people no matter what their starting point is and how why do you think you've you've got that you know how how what is it to think about you that has that ability to encourage people of all abilities maybe because I have felt that that feeling okay maybe I've you know actually remember being um in school you know, like when you like talk to people, oh, what do you remember being a kid? And like, mm. how is it? And I just think, I always remember feeling like, what if they don't like me? Mm. I always remember in my friendship group thinking like, oh, they don't actually like me. Mm. They just, what, like maybe they they want something from me. Or maybe, mm. I always felt like people liked me because they wanted something from me or people liked me because I was in addition to something or mm. an extra number. or And it wasn't until I was actually older that I realised everyone felt like that. Yeah. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, you know, the kind of saying like, oh, it's the black sheep. I think everybody has felt like the black sheep for some reason in their life. And I, like I said, I hate the feeling of anyone not feeling like they should be in a room or in a group or in an environment. Like that sick feeling that we were talking about mm. earlier, that homesick mm. feeling or that feeling that my friend when I was younger made me feel when they were all going out and have like that. I don't like the feeling of anyone feeling like they shouldn't be here and that's deep but that's so lovely so i want to pivot now slightly um you know we've spoken about um your professional um career and um achievements i guess i'm interested more on the personal side of things you've had a online platform you know you've been in the industry for, for a long time how have you managed kind of navigating the personal side of your life i think i um i've, I've gone through uh cycles mm -hmm. of including my personal life in my work and social and professional life and then taking it out and then putting it back sure. in and taking it out and now i feel like i've got to a good place with it where I want to be honest. I don't want to have an Instagram presence where um, it's fake. So I'm very like honest and, but I'm also very aware of how much I mm. showcase and, mm. um, you know, putting other people in my life in the limelight in a way, you know, that might not want to be. So I think personal life wise, I'm honest. Yeah, I, I showcase it. But I do keep a lot of it to myself as well. And I want people in my personal life to feel special. And I think I failed that over the years where I haven't been able to maintain certain friendships mm. or I haven't given enough to my family mm. uh, that I'd like to give or myself. My health is a big one. Um, I've in the past neglected my own health mm. which is ironic because I'm making other people healthier and happier mm. but neglecting my own health so I think I've had to really section out that time mm -hmm. and you mentioned friends there which I'm quite interested in something that we, we've spoken about separately um you know I guess by building these amazing communities and doing running and fitness and everything you're into you know that can be a way to meet people with similar passions and goals but have you ever had to you know cut friends off or you know what about someone that doesn't you know share the same energy and vision f for you how, how do you think about friends in, in that sense do you know what I was I've gone through three different phases mm. two of them are the same mm. phase one was I want loads of friends and everybody to like me mm-hmm Phase two was I want my close circle and small group of friends mm. and like, and then everyone else is mm. just like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm now in phase three, which <laughs> is I want 
a very tiny amount of my close people. Yeah. And then I want hundreds of friends yeah. and acquaintances yeah. because I was talking to Cam, my boyfriend, about this yeah. the other day saying, Interesting. isn't it funny how like we th- we went through that phase of like, I just want five really close friends and that's it. I don't want loads of friends. I'm in the phase now where I'm like, I want hundreds of friends. I still want that feeling when a friend comes to your house and they bring a gift and, yeah. and they take their shoes off and they're a bit sitting on the edge of your sofa <laughs> and you've got something exciting to talk yeah. about and a bit of adrenaline in yeah. you. Whereas I used to think I want the really close friendships where you feel so comfortable in my house. You can walk in, chuck your shoes down, lay on my sofa, eat out of my yeah. fridge. Now that's fun and that's nice until you get taken advantage of. Yeah. But also different friends um, can serve different purposes, right? Like your closest friends, you can share everything for once. But you can also have a great friend that you meet up with twice a week and go for a run. And, you know, you yeah. don't have to speak to them every day. And, to, you know, so I think different friends, you know, serve sometimes, you know, different, different, different purposes. What do you think of the phrase, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with? Yeah, I think it's uh, massively true. And... That's why I've had to, you know, in answer to your question earlier, have I had to cut people mm. out? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I've had to do the snip, you know. And How did you do that? Um, how I thought was the right way to do it, but there's not a right way to do mm. it. Like, how do you tell someone that you don't want to be friends with them anymore? Like, mm. breaking up with a friend, I think is worse than, like, breaking up mm. with, a, with a partner. Like, mm. I, how do you do it? How do, how do you do yeah. it? How What's do the right you? way to do it? And, you know, I did it. I've done it probably after do you know what it's really funny because over the past I'd say four years I've done a friendship a working friendship and a like relationship French like love like mm. you know partner friendship that so I've got rid of someone from like my love life mm. my work life and my social life mm-hmm. three people who all shared similarities yeah what were the red flags was there a common denominator there the common denominator was I gave them so much Mm, and mm, they took mm. and it's not their fault yeah but it hurt sure and they didn't probably realize how much they were hurting me and I think we're humans and we take because it's survival. No one's wrong for taking. I used to say to my mum, I'm too nice. She mm. goes, no such thing as too nice. Mm. There's such thing as someone taking from someone that's too nice and knowing they're doing it. Yeah. Or there's such thing as someone, you know, hurting someone that they're taking from. But I think my problem was I would give to anyone. I give to anyone. But mm. when the it got into the wrong hands that I give to anyone, they used me. And that hurt. And that's what I had to snip out of my life. But it happened over about four years. Mm. And I feel like the last one I did it and I went, oh my God, I've done all three areas of my life. I'm done. Mm. Like, you know, mm. I'm onto the next level of this game. But um, So when the balance between kind of give and take, you know. Yeah, and just up. like um, feeling taken advantage of. Where do you see yourself in uh, five years? What's next for Esme? What's next for Esme? Five years. I... I want I want my mission to be to help as many people say yes to movement as possible, get as many people moving as possible. I want the Say Yes Club to have multiplied across, you know, whether it's across platforms mm-hmm. or the UK or the world or whatever way that means. I want little pop-up communities of the Say Yes Club just everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just want to be, I want to be able to sit there and see loads of me's helping other people say yes. Like, I don't want to be one and then everyone underneath. I want 
multiple my messaging going out. You know, not multiple Esmes. Yeah. I want people who want to do what I want to do, helping other people say yes to doing it. And there just be loads of us going around and just motivating people. More trees to meet under on a Tuesday Loads night. of trees. Loads of trees. All I want <laughs> is every Tuesday around the world, yeah. loads of us standing under the tree. With a little boombox speaker. With a boombox speaker. Yeah, <laughs> ready to go. Ready. Perfect. So we're going to actually finish with some um, quickfire questions, if you're ready. Oh, wow. You ready? Yeah. Can we edit this? Like we can like c- like close the gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it looks sure. like I was on it. For sure. Okay, some quick fire questions to to finish up. Non-negotiable for you. Movement. What fills up your cup? Connection. What makes you good at what you do? Honesty. What do you think people misperceive about you? That I um that I'm like super confident and everything's perfect and life's great and I'm really motivated I'm not I don't feel sad or I don't feel anything else out of other people mm. street smart or book smart street smart work or play play hardest thing about being in the fitness industry hmm hardest thing about being in the fitness industry mm-hmm. um people who are dishonest about being in the fitness industry yeah, fair enough fair <laughs> enough night in or night out night out what's your love language uh words of affirmation uh fave book conversations with god mm. and last podcast you listen to fan cotton the happy place very good one so given everything we have discussed Taking a look back now and with the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give to your younger self? Just be honest. Mm-hmm. Be honest with yourself, how you feel, mm-hmm. and with others. I think being honest is easy. Lying is difficult. Is there anything you would do differently? I, if I could do it differently, I would have done it sooner. Mm, interesting. interesting. Having the courage to, to do it sooner. Yeah, I would have done so. everything mm-hmm. sooner because mm-hmm. we don't know how long we've got. Mm. And I always have that fear of I've cracked it mm. and then it's too late. And I mm. think, you know, if I could give advice to little as I'd just say, just do it now do it now like just you know if you if you've got one of the things as well I would have said to myself and I I wish I knew this sooner if you've got a gut feeling Mm -hmm. you're just go with it if Mm -hmm. someone makes you feel off you're right it doesn't matter why the why in it doesn't matter if something makes you feel off you're right Mm -hmm. listen Mm -hmm. because it's a waste of time Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just thankful that you did it at all and our paths crossed. So thank you so much for joining us today, Esme. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, You have such an infectious energy and I think it's a really rare skill that you have to encourage people of all abilities and really getting the best out of them. So where can our listeners find you online to to learn more about you and the Say Yes Club? So the Say Yes Club on Instagram is the Say Yes Club 
And then also my Instagram page, Esme underscore LDN. And that's if you want to just see me doing really stupid stuff and uh, me saying yes to him. <laughs> Great. And thank you all very much for, for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Hindsight Letters to My Younger Self, where I will be publishing new episodes every week and on Instagram at Benefit of Hindsight Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow the show so you are notified of new episodes coming out. And if you fancy leaving us a review, even better, as it really helps other people find us as we are new. Lastly, if you have nuggets of hindsight you'd like to share with us or you have suggestions of guests that you'd like to hear on the show, please drop us an email at benefitofhindsightpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Look forward to speaking to you next time.